Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream. I am your host, Alexis Downey, coming to you from the Paul Korea studio. Happy Monday. It is game week for the Anaheim Ducks. The season is just beginning. The Ducks will drop the puck at 7 p.m. on Wednesday at Honda Center against the Seattle Kraken. And I'll get more into that matchup later as I have a very cool guest that you'll get to hear from. But it's a new season with plenty to look forward to. If you're planning to come out for the game, make sure to come early. There is a lot of different fan things that you can experience for opening night. There will be an orange carpet where you can see all of the Ducks players for the first time heading into the game from 3.30 to 5 p.m. I will be there on the carpet for Duckstream. You can listen into that as I'll have different interviews with players. You'll also be able to hear Kent French, who will be emceeing the event. Come say hi to our table. Also, inside of Honda Center, when you get into the game, we'll be there. And make sure to listen in for the game as you'll be able to hear the live game broadcast called right here on Duckstream, as well as pre and post. Now, as we look at the NHL as a whole, we talked recently with Sean Sharks broadcaster Dan Rusinowski, who was getting ready to head over to Europe for the NHL Global Games. The Sharks took part in those games on Friday and Saturday over the weekend against the Nashville Predators, with the Predators taking two of two. The rest of the regular season games will begin for the NHL on Tuesday with back-to-back games on ESPN. Certainly excited to see those matchups in the Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Rangers and the Vegas Golden Knights and LA Kings. And like I said, it's Monday. So that means it's time for Mailbag Monday, the second rendition of this new segment where I answer your questions that you submit, whether it's been to our email or on Twitter, starting with Chase from Twitter, who asked the over-under points for Trevor Segris this season at 74 and a half. Well, I think he's going to be very motivated this season. The team is going to need him to step up to have a big year But I'm going to tell you, I think I'm leaning the under here, under 74 and a half points. Last season, he had 61 in 75 games, just second on the team behind Troy Terry, who had 67 points in 75 games. I don't know. I think it's going to be close on this one, but I'm seeing Z going under on that. Next question. Will Trevor Zegers score another lacrosse goal this season? I'm going yes. I mean, that's what we want to see, right? He has already shown us how creative he can get with the puck, with his scoring, So obviously I could see this happening again this season. I want to see it happening again. It's just so good for hockey too. Who doesn't love seeing those kind of goals? Next on the list, who was I the most nervous to interview so far? You know, that's a good question because despite what you may think, I still get nervous for some interviews and particularly, I think I'm going to go with Elliot Friedman on this one. I haven't met him in person yet, but he's such a big hockey personality and he's been in this industry for so long, someone that you can certainly look up to as an insider. So getting the chance to speak with him early and be a part of Duckstream was really cool for me. And the next and final question as a part of Mailbag Monday here on Light the Lamp, will Duckstream go on the road with the team this season? Well, we're going to have game recaps as a part of Ducks Rewind after every game this season. That's going to include sound from post game, as well as a recap on what happened on the ice with the Anaheim Ducks in that game. So in some ways, yes, kind of on the road. However, there aren't any plans set in stone 
specifically for special content that'll come from the road just yet, but that could change. We will see. Now, remember, you can submit questions anytime by emailing duckstream at anaheimducks.com, or you can tweet at duckstream, or you can tweet at me as well at Alexis Downey underscore for next Monday's mailbag. And I think there's going to be plenty to talk about by that time because the Ducks will be on the road as a part of their first road trip of the season. And as we're getting closer to the season, we're getting down to the end of the Pacific Division preview. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at the Seattle Kraken, who will be here as a part of opening night. The Kraken finished in eighth place in the Pacific Division last year with 60 points during their inaugural year, their first season with head coach Dave Hoxtel as well. It was a bit of a disappointing season for them. After what we saw Vegas do in their inaugural season back in the 2017-2018 season where they went all the way to the Stanley Cup final, we had a lot of expectations for the Kraken coming into the year. I personally thought they would make the playoffs last season, but obviously that did not shake out to be the case. Now their leading scorer last year was Jared McCann, who led the team with 50 points. So as a new broadcaster for the Kraken, Eddie Olchek joined the show today to talk about the team's outlook this season. Plus, he has so many stories from working at the national level as well as being a player. So hear more in this next segment. Let's welcome in Seattle Kraken and NHL on TNT broadcaster Eddie Olchek. Edzo, pleasure to have you join Duckstream ahead of the hockey season. Yeah, Alexis, nice to be with you and uh, best of luck with the new venture there in uh, in Anaheim. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I won't be in for game one between the Kraken and Ducks. I will be, as you mentioned, uh, I'll be moonlighting uh, with TNT when we open up our season uh, in Colorado, actually a part of the banner raising for the Colorado Avalanche uh, and uh, the Blackhawks happened to be there. So my former team that I spent uh, almost six, I spent 16 years with in the broadcast booth. So uh, I'll be doing that game, but then I'll catch up with the crack in, uh, in LA on Thursday. So, but I'm sure our paths will cross at some point when the Kraken and ducks get together and uh, looking forward to uh, an exciting season. I mean, officially it's already kicked off with the, uh, the global uh, mm-hmm. with the global series uh, over in uh, in Prague with uh, San Jose and Nashville and Nashville off to a terrific start winning the first two games there but it's a great time of year you got uh, football and um, you know football has hit their mm-hmm. big stride here the first what four or five weeks and of course baseball playoffs I'm a huge baseball fan and of course that means that uh, hockey regular season is uh, right around the corner and uh, and here we are so uh, lots of storylines but i appreciate you having me on truly one of the best times in sports every year is october yeah <laughs> yeah it, it is i mean and then you want to take it a step further you know you got you know, you're, obviously you have college football going on and uh you know before long the nba will be going and then college basketball will be going and so yeah it's uh you know so it's nice to be when I'm traveling and on the road. I always know that uh, there's probably some sport on television that uh, I'll be able to uh, to catch up to. And then, you know, I'm a uh, I'm a big horse racing guy as well. I I, uh, I also work for NBC for their Triple Crown coverage and also the Breeders' Cup, which will be happening in the first weekend of November. So I'll be heading to Lexington, Kentucky, the first weekend of November. So I'll be down there for 
you know, our so-called Super Bowl of, uh, of horse racing mm-hmm. on that weekend. So I'm looking forward to getting there for that. And, uh, you know, so a busy, busy time, which is uh, which is really good. And you talk about that. Now, the last time I saw you, we were in Albany, New York. Did you make it to the racetrack that weekend when we ran into each other? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was there working for NBC. I was doing uh, I was there for Sarah, uh, for NBC at Saratoga and probably about, uh, I don't think, maybe 25 miles away from from Albany where we saw each other at the <laughs> airport. But um, yeah, it's something that uh, as a young kid, uh, I went to the racetrack as a young, as a young boy and just kind of fell in love with the equine athlete and, uh, just these uh, crazy human beings, men and women getting on the back of these, uh, 1200 pound athletes going 25, 35 miles an hour. And I just fell in love with it as a kid. And, and then I just got an opportunity to, you know, I mean, to, to get involved in the television part of it. and. It's just been really incredible to kind of um, kind of morphed into another part of broadcasting. And I think the one thing that it has done, Alexis, is that I think it's, you know, doing horse racing now since 2015. I think what it's done, I think it's it's uh, it's forced me to uh, it challenged me. And I think I've become a better broadcaster, you know, mm-hmm. under the umbrella of the word, not only from the horse racing part of it, but the hockey part of it, whether it's the storytelling or you know, the analysis or, or whatever it is. So, uh, just very lucky to, to be a part of it. But yeah, when, uh, when we saw each other at baggage claim at the Albany <laughs> airport, I was on my way to uh, Saratoga for the weekend and, uh, always enjoy myself when I get there. And it was a, uh, it was a good weekend in a lot of ways. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, that was my first time there. And I, it's such a beautiful area, yeah. upstate New York. Uh, you know, over the summer in your off season a little bit, did you get to do any other traveling or get to enjoy yourself with your family as well? Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, proud to say, he became uh, became a grandfather for uh, the second time over the course of the last congratulations uh, eight or nine months. Thank you. Yeah, I have uh, two grandchildren now. Uh, my uh, my granddaughter uh, Audrey Marie uh, turned uh, turned two years old uh, back on July the seventh, and then I have a grandson, my namesake, uh, another Eddie Olchek, uh, was born last September. So you know, being around home. Uh, my oldest son, Eddie, his kids and my daughter-in-law, Erica, they moved back to the area a couple of years ago. So, you know, to have them, you know, three and a half miles away is, is, uh, is incredible. You know, all of my kids, uh, except for my youngest son, Nick, who will be joining me in Seattle this year, he moved out there, but everybody is close to home and it's, uh, just this summer was just, you know, kind of just more about being at home and, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, not doing as much, uh, maybe, you know, I don't want to say traveling, but just being out of town um, for, uh, you know, more personal reasons than anything else. So, yeah, quick story on uh, my grandson. So my dad's an Eddie. I'm an Eddie. Okay. My oldest son is an Eddie. <laughs> and now my grandson is an Eddie. So we have uh, four generations <laughs> of uh, Eddie Olcheks, And uh, we awesome. all have different middle names. Uh, but uh, the uh, you know whatever tradition the old check name has, it continues with uh, with my grandson who just turned one on September 9th. So I have a granddaughter born on seven seven, and my grandson was born on nine nine. So oh my goodness, uh, you know I I play those numbers at the racetrack all the time, and I'll uh, we'll just leave it there for now. That's really special, and you know you talk about how 
important your family is to you. And you mentioned having your son, Nick, join you in Seattle on the broadcasting yeah. side this season. It'll be your first season with the Kraken, his as well. How special is it to have him join you in Seattle? Yeah, well, actually, he he was he got to Seattle before I did. To be, <laughs> uh, full uh, full disclosure here and transparent, Alexis. Uh, you know, Nick was uh, you know his story. You know, just I mean, kind of came to fruition very quickly. You know, this as far as the NHL, but you know, he was down in the minors in the East Coast Hockey League for almost three and a half years, driving back from Chicago to Indianapolis and doing the games for the fuel and, and owner Jim Hallett, the, uh, uh, the Indy fuel of the East coast hockey league. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, last year, um, my, uh, my former teammate, uh, one of my best friends and, uh, the current, uh, broadcaster on the radio side for the Blackhawks, Troy Murray, uh, took ill last year. And, they had heard Nikki, uh, you know, do some East Coast Hockey League games. And then they saw my son, Nick, on uh, NBC, on NBC Sportsnet doing a couple of college hockey games at Notre Dame. And, and uh, you know, they were looking for somebody to fill in for Troy when he was sick and going through cancer treatments. And all of a sudden, Nick got a couple of games and, uh, you know, he knocked it out of the park and. And then he went back down to the minors, and unfortunately, Troy had to, you know, take a, a leave of absence for a period of time because he was just going through his battle. And and then uh, Nick got an opportunity, so he ended up doing, I think, I think maybe like thirty-five games on the radio, and then he did a little bit of studio work and did a couple of games for me when I took ill last year. And you know, I mean, like I said, he was three and a half years in the East Coast Hockey League, and then he unfortunately got that opportunity because of Troy getting sick and. Uh, we would both trade in uh, Nick's opportunity in Chicago last year in the NHL for for Troy to be uh, 100% healthy. You know, mm -hmm. like it was a, a very uh, obviously a very sensitive time. And uh, but you know, Troy being the incredible person that he is, you know, he he you know he signed off on it and said, "Hey, it's uh, next person up mentality, and you got to fill in for me, and you're going to do a great job." So. You know, he really supported Nick and and to get that opportunity. And then, you know, this summer, uh, there are a couple of teams that were interested in Nick and Seattle really stepped up for him and and uh, wanted to bring him there. And and uh, that kind of came to fruition. And then, you know, my contract expired with the Blackhawks after 16 years and we just couldn't come to a contract. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they made a call and got permission to talk to me. And next thing you know, I'm. Uh, you know, trying to maneuver and stick handle my way to Seattle. And it just kind of ended up working out that way. So, I mean, we're very excited, obviously. I mean, you know, like massive change is never easy on anybody. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I never thought that I would leave Chicago. I never thought that I would leave the Blackhawks, but, um, you know, it was like, it was just, uh, it was too good of an opportunity, uh, in Seattle. And, uh, you know, I get an opportunity to also work with my brother, or at least around my brother. My brother Ricky is assistant general manager for the legendary Ron Francis and his work with Ronnie the last seven or eight years when they were in Carolina and now in Seattle the last, you know, three or four. So uh, long story short, um, you know, we're both there and, and Nick's there full time and and I'm going to be commuting this year and, you know, because I'm probably, because I have my commitments with TNT every Wednesday night. So I'm hoping, Alexis, that I'm going to be able to get to at least, you know, or do at least, you know, 45 plus games uh, for our local 
affiliate Root Sports in in uh, in Seattle. So, but it'll be a lot of fun, uh, you know, with with seeing Nick and and uh, you know watching him do what he loves to do and and uh, getting a chance to work with JT Brown and and Johnny Forslund and Alex, um, you know, Allison Lucan and and just you know just really looking forward to the you know to the opportunity. But again, it's uh, you know, Seattle just made me too good an offer, too good of an offer to refuse. And uh, like I said, I get a chance to be around, to, you know, technically blood, right? I mean, I right. get a chance to be around my brother mm-hmm. and uh, and my son. And uh, so it'll be a lot of fun and looking forward to the start of the season. And when you look at Seattle this season, obviously last year wasn't exactly the season that they were hoping for in their right. first year. You know, offense was a real problem sure. on their end but how in what ways have you seen them improve in this off season to get ready for this new year yeah well again i, I think you know the the comparisons to vegas last mm-hmm. year alexis was i mean it was really I mean, it was unfair i mean we've never seen anything like that in professional sports where a team comes into a league professionally and all of a sudden they're going in and competing for a stanley cup championship you know or, or a championship in general like that mm-hmm. first year in vegas was magical it was very vegas uh you know, Vegas centric, you know, like, you know, people say, right. Like whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, whatever happened there that year, that was really unbelievable. And it was just captivated, you know, the sports world, but, you know, so there was a lot of pressure and I think it was unfair really to Seattle, but, you know, look at the end of the day, you're right. They were offensively challenged and, uh, you know, their goaltending needed to be way better. So I think what Ron Francis has done, the general manager of the Seattle Kraken, you know, he's gone out and addressed, uh, you know, uh, puck control, um, you know, offensive guys, you know, brings in uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand from Columbus. He brings in uh, free agency and and, uh, and Andre Burakovsky from Colorado, who's won a couple of Stanley Cups. Justin Schultz, a puck moving defenseman. Uh, you know, they got Maddie Beneers, who they drafted in the, you know, the first ever first round pick of the Kraken, you know, two drafts ago. They you know, he came in for 10 games last year and played lights out. He's mm-hmm. going to be way ahead of the curve because of that opportunity last year. Uh, Jaden Schwartz was banged up. So uh, you look at, I mean, I think they're going to have the puck more. And as you know, this Alexis, when you have the puck more, that means that's the best defense in the world. So you're going to take mm-hmm. less, less pressure off your team D you're going to take less pressure off your goaltending and look at the goaltending certainly has to be better without a doubt. Uh, Philip Grubauer needs to be better than he was last year. And they picked up Martin Jones from Philly. Of course, the Duck fans probably remember Jones from his days in, in L.A. So, you know, I, there's a lot there, but I just expect them to be much better offensively, much better with the puck and have it a little bit more. And that should ease some of the defensive concerns that, you know, that they had last year. But uh, I, I think they're going to I think they're going to be playing meaningful games come March. I really do. I, I think that uh, they're going to play faster. I think they're going to be in game. So I think they had, don't quote me, but I think they had 16 or 17 one goal games last year. So mm-hmm. if you can cut that in half and find a way to either get points or win those games. So now all of a sudden, Alexis, you know, you take half of those games, that's eight, that's 16 points. Maybe you can win, you know, half of them or right. five of them now all of a sudden now you're 10 or 11 points better because you do have more offense and all of a sudden now you're a little bit shy of 80 points right so um but i i think that they're going to be playing competitive games they're going to be much more competitive 
they're going to be entertaining because they have more offensive guys and uh, looking forward to, uh, to starting to call the games, uh, you know, the first week of the regular season. Now, I had the opportunity to cover Matty Veneers a little bit when he was at the University of Michigan, and I was just incredibly impressed with him. Obviously, we saw that from him last season when he joined the Kraken a little bit. But right. coming into this rookie season for him, I mean, do you see him contending with for the Calder and really living up to the hype that he could be? Well, he's going to get plenty of opportunity. It certainly looks like he's going to be on one of the top two mm-hmm. lines for sure. And he's going to get power play time. So that's, uh, you know, that's very advantageous for, you know, any young player, whether it's Trevor Zegris or, uh, or Matty Beneers or, you know, Morton Sider or, you know, whoever, Lucas Raymond in Detroit. I, you know, like you're the more opportunity you get. You know, the more people are going to take notice and you get an opportunity to do what you do best. So uh, he had an incredible training camp. Uh, He is a really smart, smart player. You can play him really in any situation. You know, there's going to be that learning curve. There's going to be that time where, you know, a young player is going to hit a wall at some point. And, you know, how does he react and Mm -hmm. and all those type of things. All players go through. I should say all players. Most players go through it. You know, you do have your guys that are, you know, your freak, so to speak, uh, you know, whether it's the Sidney Crosby's or the Connor McDavid's or, you know, the Patrick Kane type of players. But, you know, he he certainly looks like he is the complete package. And, uh, you know, with Pat uh, and I believe in building a hockey team, you have to have strength down the middle of the ice. And look, for, for so many years, the Ducks were so strong at the center ice position, right? Ryan Getzlaff being, you know, front and center on my mind. And, you know, when you have that guy in the middle of the ice that can really patrol and control and and do a little bit of everything. No better feeling for a coach in the National Hockey League that every time you open up that door, you know what you're going to get. And it certainly looks like Maddie Beneers can be that type of guy when it comes to predictability. And that's the one thing coaches will tell you. Um you know, like I said, there is no perfect hockey player, mm-hmm. but if, if players can be predictable, uh, those guys are going to be around a long, long time and they can still have an impact on the game, whether or not they're scoring or not. So, yeah, I think he's got a real opportunity here to be one of the top rookies in the National Hockey League and he's going to get plenty of opportunity. And then it just happens, you know, what happens with him and how he, you know, how he uh, cashes in and then how does the team do as well? Mm-hmm. And from your time, you know, as at the national level throughout the years in your career, what has it been like coming to Southern California and Honda Center for Ducks broadcasts? Oh, always enjoy it. Last year, we got there a couple of times with TNT. We're doing the the late night games and uh, really, really enjoy it. I've always enjoyed, you know, coming to to SoCal and and, uh, always enjoy seeing my pals, Johnny Allers and Brian Hayward and talk and shop. And then Johnny and I will talk horses a little bit, you know, ask me if I got out to Santa Anita out in Arcadia at all. And, you know, so I, I just really have always enjoyed coming out there. I had a cup of coffee, Alexis, with the Kings uh, back in the back in 96. And uh, I only was there, I think, six months or so before I got traded to Pittsburgh. But I, I really enjoyed the area and, uh, you know, the experience of playing in that rivalry between the Kings and the Ducks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, more times than not, when I come out there, the weather is always pretty salty. So it's always nice to come out there and <laughs> and uh, and enjoy that. But, um, you know, I played with former general manager 
Bob Murray. Um, you know, I played with Dally Eakins in, in Winnipeg for a couple of years. And I played against Pat Verbeek, Beaker, for, you know, many, many years. And, you know, just know, you know, a lot of people that have been associated with, uh, you know, with the franchise. I know I, sh- I should uh, say that uh, a friend of mine, condolences to Jim Pappen, who was a longtime scout for the Anaheim Ducks and a, a great player in the National Hockey League back in the day-day. And uh, Pappy passed away this summer and, uh, and former Ducks coach uh, Randy Carlisle. Uh, I saw him at the service along with his terrific wife, Corey, and uh, in paying his respects. So, you know, I just have always had, uh, you know, just, just, I mean, just fond memories of mm-hmm. always coming to Honda Center and seeing a lot of familiar faces and people that I've either, you know, played with or coached with or broadcast with. Uh, just always have uh, enjoyed that trip out there. And I'm looking forward to at some point here over the course of the uh, hockey season of getting back out there. and. Uh, and uh, and broadcasting some games and seeing some familiar faces. Absolutely. And when you do, you'll have to come into our studio here because we have a piece of glass that I like to have all of my guests sign. So we'll have to have you sign the glass. All right. I will. <laughs> uh, I will. I will sign the glass. I look forward to that. Thank you. And when you look at the NHL as a whole this season, is there a team that you think could surprise people this season? Yeah, I- <sighs> I don't think that now the team I'm going to say there probably might be half the people out there and sit there and go, you know, what the hell is this old broken down hockey player and horse player talking about? But like, I, I, I don't believe my opinion. I don't believe that the Carolina hurricanes are getting the, I don't want to say respect, but I don't think they're getting enough love or pub because I think that they have the type of team to be able to go on a run. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the opportunity last year, game seven at home round two to, to, the Rangers and the Rangers went in there and smoked them. Mm-hmm. Now they did make some changes over the course of the, uh, the summer. They did bring in uh, former San Jose Sharks defenseman, defenseman, Brent Burns, which I think was a terrific pickup, a big body, a guy that can score, a guy that can play that way that they like to play in Carolina. But I, I would look at it and just say, you know, look at, I mean, I think, you know, the Rangers are certainly dangerous, Tampa, you have to put them in there. Florida made a boatload of changes. You know, everybody seems to be on the Maple Leafs bandwagon. I, they seem to think like this is the year. And, you know, so again, we'll see if they get the goaltending or, you know, from Matt Murray or not. But, you know, I, I look at it, Alexis, and go, you know, Carolina has, you know, they have, they have everything. I mean, now again, mm-hmm. you could, not you, but you could question their goaltending. But on the back end, as good as it gets, up front, now, they might be short a difference maker, right? Like, if you look at the teams that have won the Cup here recently, and I and I go back to the days with the Ducks as well, is like most teams that win the Stanley Cup, I'm talking, they've got that game breaker. They've got mm-hmm. that difference maker. Now, it happened that Colorado happened to have Kale McCarr and Nathan <laughs> McKinnon, you know, two of the, and you could argue, two of the world-class players we've had in the league in, you know, 25 or 30 years. but. I think that's maybe the one thing that Carolina might be. They've got some really good players. They might maybe have one of the more underrated players in the league and Sebastian Ajo there. But so I think Carolina could be that team that maybe is flying under the radar. Maybe and maybe rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But here's a team that won a division last year. I think they had 100 and you know seven or 108 points, whatever it was. But you know, I just don't think that they get the pub and 
and love that they probably, uh, you know, should be getting. So uh, let's see how it plays out. And, you know, maybe they do some at the trade deadline and, you know, maybe they bring somebody in. But I think they will be they'd be a dangerous out, in my opinion, Alexis, or the Carolina Hurricane. And I personally am a fan of their head coach, Rod Brindamore, uh, his work ethic and just his disciplinary coaching style has always yeah. been really interesting to me as well. Yeah, he, he, I played against, uh, I played against Roddy for many, many years and he coaches very much like the way that he played, but I think he also understands, you know, the, the, you know, you got to give somebody a hug every once in a while, you got to mm-hmm. pick them up, you got to build them up, you got to, you know, so I mean, very focused, you know, man, very focused on, you know, when knowing where he was, uh, you know, where he is and where he's trying to get to and has done, you know, has really done an amazing job there and uh, in getting that, uh, you know, getting that opportunity in Carolina. And, you know, you're right. He's uh, just uh, his body of work and his attitude is uh, is pretty special. He's a very emotional coach, which I love. I, mm-hmm. you know, I stood behind the bench for a couple of years when I coached in Pittsburgh some yeah, you know, geez, hard to believe going on almost 18 years now, I guess. But, you know, like that, I think there are, you know, there are coaches for players and there are player coaches. And I think he is certainly can wear either hat. And uh, that's a real important part of success uh, of standing behind the bench. But again, at the end of the day, when you got the tools and I think certainly that they have it, you know, they got to take that next step here because, uh you know, that window is only open for, uh, you know, is only open for a certain period of time. Going back to your playing days, you've talked about a lot of the different guys that you've played against or played with. Do you have mm-hmm. any great stories or moments that specifically stand out to you that you want to <laughs> share? <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll, I'll tell you this one. I, I've told this one and you know, it might be some people that obviously probably don't know my background, but I, so I grew up in Chicago. Uh, all I ever wanted to do was play for the Chicago Blackhawks. And I was lucky enough to play on the 1984 U S Olympic hockey team. And, uh, right after that, I got drafted, uh, in 1984 in the summer of 1984 and the Blackhawks had the sixth overall pick and they ended up moving up in a draft, uh, to number three overall. They made a big trade with the LA Kings and ended up moving up and, uh, a guy by the name of Mario Lemieux went number one. Kirk Muller, assistant coach in Calgary right now, and went number two. And when the Blackhawks moved up, they, you know, they uh, drafted me number three overall. And when probably a little bit before the draft, I was having this dream where I would drive to the old building where the Blackhawks used to play. It was called the Chicago Stadium and never make another building like that ever again. Um, but I always had this dream where for my first NHL game, I was running late. Traffic was bad. <laughs> I got to the arena. The security guard wouldn't let me in because he said Eddie Olchek was already here and he made me pull out my driver's license. And then I walk into the building and then security guard grabs me and asks me, Hey, where are you going? And, you know, just like one of these mm-hmm. crazy, you know, and I wake <laughs> up in a panic, right? So I get drafted by the Blackhawks and then I go to training camp. And I've always said this is that uh, the lifeline of a hockey player is the trainer or are the trainers. I should say those guys are and girls are overworked and underpaid. They if you really want to know what the hell's going on, talk to a trainer and they'll be able to tell you the truth. And and I've been fortunate enough to have some of the best and 
longest standing trainers in the National Hockey League for, for many, many years. So during training camp of my rookie year, our old medical trainer, Skip Thayer, I, I was just talking to him one day. We were just kind of talking about a little bit of everything. And, and I just, for some reason, I just, you know, I, I wanted to share this dream with him. <laughs> and, you know, he just kind of looked at me and, you know, I just kind of was real, you know, he's real serious and uh, talking about how, you know, dreams come true. He said, you dreamed about being a Blackhawk, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he really kind of brought me in hook, line and sinker, you know? So I told him the story that I just, the dream I was having. So fast forward a couple of weeks in the early October and, I was still living at home at the time. I was 18 years old and, and living with my mom and dad and my brothers. And I'm driving down to, you know, I'm not in any hurry. I'm leaving, you know, more than enough time. And this dream kind of came to me, like just thinking about it in, during the day. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I get into the old Chicago Stadium parking lot. And as I pull in the, you know, the, the parking attendant who I'd seen before, he stops my car and he asked me to roll down the window. <laughs> and I, you know, I think I said, hey, Frankie. And he goes, uh, can I help you? And I go, um, I'm, I'm Eddie Olchek. <laughs> and he goes, well, no, he's already here. And I went, oh, my gosh. I said, I'm living this dream. I said, I can't <laughs> believe I dreamed this. You know, and I'm, and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? He goes, no, no, let me see your ID. I pull out my ID and I'm like, I can't believe this. I said, you know, I, I'm going to score a goal because I always dreamed about scoring a goal in my first game of my career, you know, against the Detroit Red Wings when we happened to play them that night. So, you know, he finally goes, all right, go ahead. You know, so I go in, I leave my car, I walk in the door and all of a sudden this security guy, uh, his nickname was Spider. He grabs me, he goes, hey, where are you going? I go, oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, now I'm, now I'm frazzled. Like, I am like, hey, where are you going? I go, um, I'm Eddie Olchek. I'm playing in the game that he goes, no, he's already here. And I'm like, no, no, really? I said, I'm not. not." (laughs) So then he kind of walks away, goes over to the phone that was there and he kind of just picks it up. He goes, all right, go ahead. And and I went walking away and I, and I swear, Alexis, I was shaking my head. Like, I'm like, I can't believe this. I, I dreamt this. Like I, (laughs) right. So I go downstairs, I walk down the stairs, I walk by the training room. And I just, and, 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 and I, as I walked by the training room, there's a big window and the door was open and Skip was standing there and Skip was probably, you wouldn't mind if I said this, Skip was probably six foot tall and probably four feet wide, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and, and, and Skippy, and I look at Skip, I go, Hey, Skippy he goes, Hey kid, do you have any problem getting in the building tonight? <laughs> and and I went, oh my gosh! I said maybe that's why I love the trainers so much, maybe because I trust them so much. But uh, so I and I did. I scored a goal in my very first game against the Detroit Red Wings, which I know made uh, myself and Blackhawk fans really happy because of the the great relationship that the Hawks and Red Wings fans have. So uh, that was one night, uh, Alexis, <laughs> that uh, that I certainly will will never forget. But had a little uh, primary assist there from our uh, from a med- medical trainer skip there. <laughs> Did you have any more dreams where you <laughs> where you were like the real reality played out? I mean, are yeah, you- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've tried that. I tried that with that billion dollar Powerball oh, okay. a, couple, a couple of months ago, but uh, I only unfortunately I think I only got like two numbers, and they just happened to be scrap, you know, uh, quick picks or whatever. But um, you know, I mean, I. I I mean, I've dreamt a couple of times where, uh, you know, that, 
that I'd have a, a, a big day at the racetrack. And sure <laughs> enough, I just happened to have a big day at the racetrack. Um, winning a Stanley Cup, I knew I was going to win a Stanley Cup in New York. I, I just, I knew that. I was a very small part of a team that won the Cup in 1994 with the Rangers. But um, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I think there is something to it. Uh, you know, I think if you, if you dream it and believe it and feel it, it's going to happen. And probably up to a certain extent because it certainly didn't help with the Powerball the other couple of months ago, but uh, yeah, it's, it's happened a couple of times. So uh, not recently, but you know, I'll probably leave that to, you know, I'm an old guy, so maybe I'll leave it to old age now. Well, when you look at the career that you've had as an analyst in broadcasting now, I mean, you've gotten to work with so many amazing people over the years, I'm sure. Is yeah. there, has there been any moments for you that you just kind of sit back and you realize what you're doing and who you get to interact with and that you still yeah. get to be a part of this hockey culture and world? Yeah, it's uh, very lucky and very blessed, uh, Alexis, to have played 16 years, to coached almost, uh, you know, two and a half years in Pittsburgh when I coached and then you know, being a full-time broadcaster now since uh, January of uh, 2006. And, you know, I've worked with some of the greatest broadcasters uh, that this game has, has ever seen or heard, but also uh, to know them as people has made this incredible journey an honor and a privilege, you know, whether it's been, you know, working with uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, the great Pat Foley in Chicago, the voice of Blackhawk hockey forever for 38 years. And, you know, be able to sit next to Pat for the last, uh, I think, 14 or 15 years. You know, now working with Kenny Albert, who does baseball and football and basketball mm -hmm. and now working full time with Kenny, you know, on TNT, uh, you know, working with a, a real great friend of mine and Keith Jones, who's down at ice level for all of our games. Uh, you know, and then working with Doc Emmerich for as long as I did at NBC. I mean, you know, Doc has been the uh, has been the voice of NHL hockey for you know forever, and to have sat next to Doc for 16 years uh, was an incredible uh, run. It was an incredible experience. It was a very intimidating chair to sit in. <laughs> you know, and and to you know call some of the you know, call some of the, you know, greatest games that we've had in National Hockey League and in the Olympics over the course of the last, you know, you know, before Doc retired before last year, you know, the last 16 years and just those relationships and the friendships, uh, those will those will always be. But, you know, I think when I look at, you know, my relationship with Doc Emmerich and like I said, I, I got the opportunity to to get in the, into the chair after John Davidson, who I think has been, is the best hockey analyst that hockey has ever known. And J.D. left in, in 2006 to become the team president of the St. Louis Blues. And I got a chance to sit in that chair next to Doc and, you know, sitting next to Doc for many, many years. And then somebody approached me, you know, I'll probably say, you know, probably you know, I'm going back maybe seven years now. And I had worked with Doc probably 10 years at the time, maybe nine, Alexis. And mm -hmm. somebody asked me just about working with Doc and, you know, our relationship. And, and you know, and 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 the reporter asked me, is like, you know, how, how did you know when, like, you felt comfortable? Like, how did you know when you felt you arrived? And I said, well, you know, that's a great question. And I said, 
how I knew I arrived as a broadcaster at the highest level is when somebody was asking Doc about our relationship, about mm. how we interact and, and, and what our relationship means to him. And his exact words verbatim were, I hope that when Edzo is 67, he has somebody take care of him as he has taken care of me. And when I heard that, Alexis, I was like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got the stamp of approval of Doc Emmerich and I've, I've gotten to the top, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I've, I've done something right. You know, there's such a, there needs to be a trust factor uh, when it comes to being a partner on the broadcast, right? It's live television. Mm -hmm. Once you say it, it's off to Mars, right? But you have to be able to trust one another. You know, like you got to check your, you know, you check your ego at the door. Our philosophy always has been, you know, you're there to tell the story, not be the story. Yeah, you have to have an opinion. Yeah, you have to, you know, sometimes critique and and be hard, but you're there to, like I said, you're there to, you know, to tell the story. And I learned so much from Doc, both on and off the ice and, you know, miss him every day. But, you know, he... He carried that torch unbelievably mm-hmm. well, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Doc actually he also also did he also did the NFL. I think he worked for CBS. I'm pretty sure he worked for CBS, and he actually called called Brett Favre's first pass in the National Football League, and it happened to be a deflected pass and he caught his own pass. <laughs> so Doc Emmerich was, was the uh, play-by-play man wow. uh, when that happened. So uh, Doc has seen it all. He's, uh, he's missed all the time and mm-hmm. just a great storyteller and be able to weave stories in and out during a broadcast. So uh, those relationships mean, uh, mean everything to me. Mm-hmm. I got a chance to do a bunch of radio games with Johnny Allers as well, who I enjoy when him and Hazy are doing the games mm-hmm. and uh, got a chance to work with him on, radio a couple of times. So just uh, very, uh, very humbled and, and very lucky to work with some of the best. And uh, a lot of those people I mentioned have uh, have sore shoulders because they've been carrying me for the last 16, <laughs> 17 years. So uh, maybe I got to drop a few, uh, drop a few LBs there, but uh, maybe I'm a little smarter than I look because I know who to hitch my, uh, my hitch my wagon to with some of the best that uh, have done, uh, you know, done any of the games. And when I'm in Seattle, I'm working with Johnny Forslund, who is as good as it gets when it's calling hockey games. So mm-hmm. just very, very lucky and uh, a lot of fun to go into the booth because it is about entertainment. It is about fun. And we, we know what's going on in the real world out there. I mean, it's, you know, we're there to entertain and and uh, and take people away from the real world for, you know, two and a half hours every night. Well, a little bit of a spoiler for anyone that's listening right now. Doc is actually going to be coming on as a guest in the next couple of weeks. So, oh, beautiful. Love, yes, right. I, I love that you're giving us a little bit of insight with him, yeah, too. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I will say this is that, I, again, when we think about Doc Emmerich, you don't think of the word uh, corrupt. But I will say is that I will take full responsibility. You can ask them this, is that uh Doc uh, has become a fan of uh, of uh, 50-50s, uh, 50-50 <laughs> draws at uh, arenas and 
also might get his feet wet at the Kentucky Derby for his stepmom and his brother every okay. once in a while, courtesy <laughs> of, of yours truly. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you could ask Doc about uh, maybe a 50-50. Uh, you know, have you ever played a 50-50 uh, ticket? And, uh, you know, when you've been, when you were working in the NHL and I'll let him tell you the story. So I think it's one of the, uh, one of the finer stories that uh, we shared together in our uh, broadcasting career, but he's made a positive influence on me both on and off the ice and, uh, missed him all the time, but uh, it was a lot of fun to be his partner and very proud to say that I was. I definitely will ask him that, uh, Edzo, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been awesome here on light the lamp. And like I said, when you're here in Anaheim this this season, you're going to have to stop in and sign this glass. I will. I look forward to it. So best of luck. Uh, keep up the great work and uh, look forward to getting out to Honda Center and uh, and seeing the Ducks uh, up close and uh, personal. So uh, appreciate you having me on and uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Thank you. Great to hear the perspective from Edzo and I'm excited to have him back as a guest again this season on Light the Lamp. Now it's time to share my final quack, where I leave you with my last thoughts before closing out this episode. Today is Monday, October 10th, also known as World Mental Health Day. In this season, the Anaheim Ducks have partnered with OC Navigator to highlight the importance of mental health and well-being. You will see this logo on their helmets all season long. So take some time for yourself today. Go outside, take a walk. Go get yourself some coffee. Do something that makes you happy. It's so important to take care of yourself, not just today, but every day. So I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to Light the Lamp. Come back next time for more hockey talk here on Duckstream as Wednesday will be opening night for the Anaheim Ducks. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duckstream.